Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You know we play the chase every week. We're going to play it soon. Not now. Don't ring now. But first of all, it is a great privilege to welcome both to New Zealand, and I was in the crowd last night, uh, uh, evening with Sean Wallace, and he has agreed to have a chat to me and to all of you. Uh, welcome, and Sean, great to be talking to you. Have I got you there, Sean? Um, I th- okay, he's flicked over to the other side. Sean, have I got you now? Good morning, Mark. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm fantastic, and I was lucky enough to be at the audience with Sean Wallace last night. I just the very start of last night, and they introduced you, and you had about a hundred meter walk from the side door to the stage, and the applause didn't yeah. didn't die down. You were welcomed as one of us. How did you feel just just that instant? Uh, it was just really wonderful to actually be uh, greeted in the way I was. Uh, you know, I obviously had my sort of dark display persona, the dark glasses, walking onto the stage, looking tough, talking tough. But uh, I melted the minute I sort of opened my mouth and was speaking to the uh, crowd. Were very, very supportive in the uh, uh, wonderful arena that is uh, Eden Park National Stadium uh, for the uh, Field of Dream charity. Where, where did your love of New Zealand come from, Sean? Ever since I was a yeah, little kid, I'm always asked about why New Zealand? Uh, you know, as a young boy, I knew where New Zealand was, you know, the furthest place uh, uh, in a far from corner of the world. And I always wanted to visit it. And I used to love watching New Zealand sports, in particular the All Blacks. Um, you know, Sig Going was one of my heroes, uh, you know, that uh, brilliant scrum half. Mm. And I remember the Lions tour when the Lions first beat New Zealand in New Zealand in 1971. But I've always had an affection for the uh, New Zealand sort of... Uh, Sporting prowess. And you got to meet one of your sporting heroes, Sir John Walker, yeah. who's just a treasure yeah. of New Zealand society. Um, take us to the moment you absolutely. got to shake his hand. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I met him the day before, um, you know, I, I had to pinch myself because, you know, sometimes I think I'm living in a parallel universe. You know, these are the people who you saw, used to watch on TV and, you know, I used to idolise. And I remember when he won the Olympic gold medal in 1976 in the Montreal Games winning that 1,500 metres and sort of putting his hand in the air, you know, in celebration of his uh, wonderful victory. And to meet him in person was fantastic. And uh, when I heard that uh, he had a charity called Field of Dreams and um, what he did uh, or what he does for that charity in terms of, uh, you know, allowing 1.7 million children being able to swim from an underprivileged background, you know, it aligns for my philosophy in terms of using your fame in a sort of altruistic way to try and help others. And, uh, you know, it's made me idolise them even more. We know, we see snippets of you. Obviously, you're the dark destroyer on TV. So I just wanted to explore a little bit that we don't know about you, Sean. Um, mm-hmm. What you do when you're not part of the chase? I go back to my day job as a practising barrister. So, you know, I've been a barrister for the last 39 years now. So I'm still a criminal defence lawyer. And when I uh, leave these wonderful shores, I've got to prepare for another trial, which I'm starting at the beginning of July in Southampton Crown Court. Wow. 
Wow. So how many? How, how's your time split, Sean, across a year of 52 weeks? How, how many weeks are you filming? How many weeks are you being a barrister? Uh, well, we do a lot of filming schedules. So we film in about um, you know, seven blocks or three weeks per time. Uh, and obviously we've got to work around Bradley's uh, ever-increasing hectic schedule because he does, apart from the chase, he does a show called Blankety Blank. He's got his own show with his son. Uh, he's going to be uh, the new host of Gladiators when he returns to our screens in the autumn. So, you know, Bradley's a man in demand, and obviously, we, you know, we've got to take into account his working schedule. Do you prefer taking on the public, or do you like those celebrity ones with chasing the chases, or when, when all of you are on there? I, 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 I'm uh, equally happy and uh, adept to all three formats. I, I suppose if I had to choose, I'd prefer to be solo. Because uh, obviously, you know, you're, you're using, you're pitting your wits against a uh, possible uh, team of four. So, uh, you know, that's my preferred format. And that's the format which obviously has catapulted the show into not just the national consciousness in New Zealand and England and Australia, but, you know, franchises around the world. I think amongst the chases, Sean, you play the mind games the best with the others. Uh, like you're very consistent with let's get into it, Brad, when he says chaser, let's get into it, Brad. One uh, one question shootout just puts a little bit more pressure on the contestant. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm going to be forever synonymous with that catchphrase, you know, uh, the one question shootout. And I do that to basically put them under pressure. You know, can you get the question right? Because if you don't, I'm going to get it right. And, you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, I, I say about... Uh, 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 you know, nine times out of ten, um, I pull it off because it really gets them. Something I've always wanted to know: when you um, make the offers, you know, one thousand low offer, thirty-two thousand yeah. high offer. Have you got a budget that you're allowed to work within parameters? Do you have any say in that, or is that no, the producer? Uh, no, no, Mark, because obviously the show is so phenomenally successful now. Uh, you know, it's heavily sponsored. So the offers we make are always performance-related. And when I mean that, I mean in relation to how the contestant does in the cash builder and how we are performing as chasers. So you see where Bradley um, asks the questions mm. on screen. Yeah. Mark? Yep. To his left, um, uh, he will take a, a break in between the cash builder and the questions to actually you know, go through with the uh, producer questions set as uh, pronunciation of words. There's a big uh, a dark screen. Beyond that dark screen is where we sit. And we've got TV monitor screen so we can see the performance uh, of uh, the contestants. And somewhere in the studio complex are the producers. And they relay via uh, the chase of producer friend who sits next to us what the uh, potential offers are going to be. Gotcha, gotcha. And so it's always performance-related. Yeah, and it's amazing how nerves get to some contestants. Like I think you can see, we can all can see, they're way better than what they do. It's just the lights, the camera, you staring yeah, at sometimes. them. Yeah, but other contestants thrive on it, and those contestants who thrive on it are not intimidated in the surrounding circumstances in which they find themselves in. They're only confident in their own ability. They're not frightened to get a question wrong, and they don't get into what we call a pass spiral. By that I mean either they get a question wrong or they're fixating on the question they got wrong without listening to what Bradley's asking in terms of the next question. So, um, you know, those contestants do well if they concentrate on their own ability. What's the biggest number you've chased down in the final chase? Um, the one you saw yesterday, 23. That's the, the, the highest number. Uh, the, I've managed, I, I uh, just about missed down chasing down a 26. I've got 24. 
Uh, and that was because I uh, pronounced the question wrong uh, as I'm trying to sort of uh, chase the time. So uh, the record um, case is uh, held jointly by Mark and Paul for 26. Yeah, that one last night was phenomenal. I think you got about 12 questions in 40-something seconds. It was absolutely... Yeah, in 42 seconds, yeah. I couldn't afford to make a mistake, yeah. I just had to go for it, yeah. It was just phenomenal. Is it lucrative for you, Sean? Is it lucrative financially for you? Yes, yeah. Um, you know, for a part-time gig, of course it is. Um, so, you know, I'm really, really... When I first started uh, the uh, Chase, the pilot, I got paid £100 an episode. <laughs> you know, now I get uh, something in excess, uh, in excess of £3,000 per episode and uh, something close to almost £5,000 for the BB Chaser. So I'm not... Um, uh, averse to not mentioning how much I get paid, so um, you know my life's an open book. I've written all the biography, so is it? Is it? Ask, I'll tell them. Are you incentivised to beat the final chase? Because if you don't beat them, you could be given away thirty-five grand. Are, are you? Uh, are you incentivised to beat them? No, uh, the only incentive we have is professional pride. Right. Uh, so you know we don't get paid uh, if we. Uh, um, when we don't have our money deducted if we lose. Um, you know, that's for the uh, producers to make the offers they make because obviously they know that uh, they've got a massive budget to play with by virtue of the fact that the shows are so uh, popular that sponsors, um, you know, attack themselves to it. Um, something people here may not know, um, I knew, but the story you told last night about when you won Mastermind, it was so much more than just winning Mastermind, what it meant for you as a person, you representing your family and your people and people of colour. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can, can, can you talk us through that, you know, the final episode and what you did between the final episode filming and then the final episode uh, episode airing? Well, as I say, you know, when they, I actually won the title uh, the, um, on June the 14th, 2004, and they broadcast it on December the 5th, and the 6th uh, of 2004. So I had a six-month gap uh, between me actually winning it and they finally broadcasting it. And that gave me time, Mark, to reflect in relation to the fact that, you know, what I had achieved, uh, you know, as a black person on TV was phenomenal. Because, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, you never saw black people on TV, let alone an intellectual quiz show. Mm. You know, so for me to actually make uh, that uh, groundbreaking um, uh, win... It was like, according to what I said, because uh, it was a quote of the week in the Times newspaper, so far as black people was concerned, it was like uh, Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. And it was. But, you know, what it demonstrated, Mark, is that we do have the same intellectual capacity as our black counterparts, as our white counterparts. So uh, the mere fact I am black, it doesn't mean to say that uh, I don't have the same intellectual capacity. So um, it was a groundbreaking uh, decision, but I knew it was going to change my life. But one thing, Mark, I was determined, it wasn't going to change me because mm. you know flame can you know flame can be fleeting and if you allow it to seduce you it will control you and uh, when the powers that be uh, take fame away you're left floundering um, with nothing but an empty shell so you know to be as successful when I was at uh, the late age of 44 it allowed me to have the experience to appreciate fame uh, and to be grateful for where I am now because 25 years ago I was Sean who <laughs> now I'm one of the most recognised uh, faces, not only in the UK, but most certainly in New Zealand and in Australia and most of the English-speaking world. Yeah, because 
being mastermind champion in that era that that was royalty that that was enor- that was the era of game shows and that was the game yeah. show of game shows yeah absolutely and it still is especially in in Britain it is the creme de la creme and to still being uh, the only black person to want it hopefully one day somebody will of color will emulate my achievement because it's not about me uh, being uh, uh, a, a champion of color in isolation uh, to show that um, other people of my ilk and my colour, my culture can do it. Uh, I w- I'd love to see uh, somebody else emulate that achievement. The thing I found interesting, Sean, is, as you say, six months between filming and airing that final episode, just before the final episode aired, you left the country. Yeah, I did, because I knew um, the lead-up to the grand final, um, because I was the last person to qualify for the grand final, and... Uh, Apparently, the newspapers were full of uh, um, um, comments. Is Are we going to see television history? And I didn't want people to basically sort of harass me or harangue me uh, in relation to did I win. I wanted the people to actually watch it as if it was live. Mm. So, um, and because at the time when I won, Mark, uh, it was a tie break. It was a tie between uh, first and second. And the only reason I won is because I didn't pass and uh, the runner-up did. And I think I saw said jokingly, "Why didn't you partial?" And I was asked, "I said I only passed when I'm playing football." So for me, um, it was about uh, you know taking my time to realise you know once it hits the newspapers, then you know um, my life's going to change. But I didn't want uh, in the lead up to the grand final to be harassed in that way. So that's why I left, and I decided to actually you know, play, play a chicken, my mum in particular, by making her worry so because she didn't know where I was for that whole week leading up to the grand final. So tell us when you returned. How long after it aired did you return and what was your return like? I, I returned the um, the night of the second showing of the, because uh, they showed it twice and, you know, they, that was the first time and only time in the show's history that they broadcast the grand final on two occasions. Firstly on BBC on Sunday night and on the um, main BBC One studio the um, uh, the following day, on the Monday evening. So they wanted to attract so more, uh, many more viewers, and apparently I got about three, four million viewers watching that night. So I heard, but I didn't see it myself. <laughs> so c- coming through customs, um, instantly recognised? Oh, that was great fun when I took the trophy to uh, Jamaica, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to have fun with... Um, the customs, I, I, I made myself look so suspicious like I was a drug dealer. And as I'm coming through customs, I could see uh, out of the corner of my eye a customs officer. And he approached me and asked me if I had something which I shouldn't have. And I gave him a sort of cryptic uh, uh, belief that I did have something. So he took me into this vast hall and searched my luggage. And when I pulled out the mastermind trophy, he realised, having watched it the night before, that I was a mastermind champion. And he was so astonished. Everybody in the room stopped what they were doing. And uh, he was so he was so excited. It's like he wanted to pack my suitcase. I said, nah, nah, I'm all right. And I was giggling. I tell you, I was, uh, it, was, it was really funny. Oh, that's brilliant. Sean, I could talk to you for an hour, but I won't. You've got a very busy schedule here in New Zealand, and um, I'm in my studio, which, uh, to coin your phrase, it's just another day in the office, but you made it really enjoyable for me joining us just for a few minutes, Sean. Um, so good to see you over in New Zealand, mate. And um, Thanks, Mark. Enjoy yes. the rest of your time. I will, bro. Thank you. Bye-bye.